Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. One day right down in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Jared Cole from the Ambassador Podcast here again. And I'm with my co-host, of course, but new last name, Miss Tracy Wassenaar. Yo, what's good? Man, I love the sound of that. I'm, I'm great. I'm doing great. <laughs> yo, yo, you, man, this is this is amazing. It's so cool to use your new last name, man. It's fun. Josh <laughs> is a great dude. So, Yet again, another call out. He might as well be yeah, a co-host. Yeah. He might as well be a co-host. We got to get him on the, we got to get him on the roster, yo. Honestly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so man, welcome to our second debrief episode of the season. Uh, our last debrief with Shane Roethlisberger, man, that was such a fun episode. Mm-hmm. It was so good to have him on. Uh, Shane is a dear friend of ours, and and man, mm-hmm. I, I think that episode was really, really helpful to get a to get a different voice on some of these same topics that we're discussing here. Uh, if you haven't checked that one out, go check that out. Uh, and man, yeah, just just. Just dive into these debrief episodes with us. Uh, to be clear, the idea behind these debrief episodes is, is man, we understand that a lot of these topics, they're going to hit our audience's ears a lot of different ways, right? Some of our audience are going to mm-hmm. be uh, encouraged by the things we say. Some of our audience are going to be affirmed by the things that we say. And even some are going to be kind of repulsed, right? Kind of taken aback by some of the things that we say. And so we hope that these debrief episodes, what we can do here is just really give a chance to to talk about some of these things we say in these interviews and open them up for dialogue and conversation and get a different viewpoint. So regardless of where you are on the spectrum, right, we understand that these conversations and resources like these are overdue and needed, and so because of that, we wanted to create this space where there's more dialogue. So Trace, uh, let the audience know how they can get involved with these if they haven't learned that yet. Yeah, I think one of the, the coolest things about the debrief episode is that it allows our audience to actually engage with us in a different way. And so the honest audience actually gets an opportunity to submit questions and concerns and things that they want us to talk about or to just emphasize, and they can steer our conversation um, through whatever direction they have those questions coming from. And so it's an opportunity for them to submit questions either to our email, through Instagram, um, even Facebook. And so we really hope that you guys utilize that in engage with us in that way. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tracy, man. That's, that's, that's really good. Right. So let's listen, if, if you guys want to steer any of this conversation, please go ahead and just submit some questions. You can reach out to us on our website or through our social media. We're live on Instagram. Uh, so don't hesitate to do so. We'd love to hear from you. And so without further ado, I would like to introduce our next debrief episode guest, 
this guy has been a blessing to me here in the Ames community. Uh, he is a husband. He is a father. Uh, he has a huge heart, and he really, really, really knows his Bible. Uh, he's a realtor by trade, but a pastor by heart, I believe. Roger Wheeler, thank you for joining us on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks, Jared, for the invitation, and thanks for those kind words. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what I deserve, but I do know <laughs> that I'm thrilled to be engaged with you, that's for sure. Yeah, I appreciate oh, that, man. That's good stuff. All right, Roger. So our audience might not know you. So we like to throw out questions, just icebreakers for the audience to kind of get to know you a little bit. So for you, you lived in Ames. You lived in Iowa for a bit. What is a space that you would say you would want to take someone to go get food? Like it's a Saturday night and you can go anywhere around Ames. Where are you, where are you taking people? Uh, yeah, I don't know how technical you want to be. I live in Huxley, which is just south of Ames. Okay. So if I really want to go get some good food, I'm going to go to Ankeny. I'm going to go to Yanni's. That's actually my, that's where my wife and I like to go for just the two of us. If I'm in Ames, there's lots of options, probably ant mods. uh, Okay. Chicken, chicken angel hair is about as good as I'm going to get in Ames, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, we go, we go south to Ankeny too. The honesty, the honesty. Yeah, love the it. best. Did I just hear the best food in Ames is chicken angel hair pasta at, at Aunt Mods? Absolutely, at Aunt Mods. Okay, yeah, no That's question. Great. It's the best yeah. dish you will find in Ames. Yeah. Oh man, that is, all right. Mark that oh. down, yo. Yeah, yeah. All right, Roger. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How did you come to know Christ? And what has been your role um, in pre- in ministry so far? Uh, so, uh, I'm from here. Uh, I was born over in Cambridge, Iowa. So a few miles from where I'm sitting. Um, I came to know Christ through a pretty unique Holy spirit moment when I was four years old in VBS. So I'm mm-hmm. one of the, I was one of those wow. kids raised in a Christian home. Uh, actually one of the women at my current church refers to me as kind of the goody goody because that <laughs> My story is kind of that way. I never really mm. had, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly a sinner through and through. So don't get me wrong, but I do mm-hmm. not have a, a bunch of history to share. I didn't come to Christ later in life. And um, so just, yeah, 50 years of walking with him. Um, mm. I've taught a lot of uh, Bible studies. I've uh, been an elder in large churches. Um mm. Uh, currently I am the director of Christian education for Friendship Baptist Church in Ames, Iowa. Beautiful, beautiful role that God has placed me in. Very, very fun. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, we're excited to have you, Raj, and, and excited to dive into some of the conversation we have going on today. Uh, so this is our second debrief episode of the season, and mm-hmm. we had a guest, Mark Demise, from... Uh, uh, from Mosaic Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, a multi-ethnic church down there, uh, come mm-hmm. onto the podcast and just talk to us about a lot of things, a lot of things concerning multi-ethnic church. And then we mm-hmm. got into some church economic stuff as well, man. And so, Raj, I just want to open this question up to you first and foremost. After listening to that episode, uh, just immediately, what were some of the immediate thoughts that you had uh, after hearing Mark talk on that episode? Yeah, so I was not familiar with Mark, um, didn't know that church, had not read any of his books. 
so that uh, that podcast was fresh for me, and it was new mm. information. Mm. Um, but there was a really strong connection for me. He made this statement uh, that every, like his journey, he sees his journey as being very unique. Uh And I think it is unique. Um, But he said it was based on good, strong theology. And I really liked that. And um, my journey tends to be unique at times. Some of my views tend to be unique. Um, I, uh, I think about things differently than the crowd at times, but I really agree with him that usually it is, hopefully it is good, strong theology that takes me there. And honestly, a lot of what I consider to be good, strong theology on my part really lines up well with the good, strong theology that I heard on his part. And so I, I identified with nearly everything he said, Mm. the whole church economics thing was new to me. I hadn't really heard that concept. Um, and I can maybe have some, some things that identify a little bit there, but, but all of his, the multi-ethnic stuff and uh, how he got, how he took the journey to get to the church where he's at right now, I absolutely could just cheer and identify and relate to, Mm. but it it was the biblical theology that I loved the way, the way he referenced the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's right. I, I think, uh, Oftentimes when we have conversations about the multi-ethnic church, we tend to do so from like, you know, there's a there's a point in our culture, our history that kind of catalyzes people to move forwards towards some of this stuff. Uh, but I think what we find in a, a kind of a theme that we have with the with the people on our on our podcast is that none of these guys have been moved by a cultural scenario. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. not George yeah. Floyd that gets these guys to move. It, it's That's not uh, Tamir Rice that gets these guys mm-hmm. to move. It's not Trayvon Martin that gets these guys to move. It's not Black Lives Matter, right? That gets these guys to move. Like they're uh, they're convicted biblically. What yeah. they know is true of the scriptures is what mobilizes them uh, to be able to do what they do and not only do what they do, but it helps them withstand it. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the scriptures is what keeps them there. And I think this is foundational to what we're talking about, man, in, in this, not only in this episode, but for the ambassador as a whole, for the pursuit mm-hmm. of multi-ethnic church as a whole, we've got to see that there's a theological foundation that this has to be built off of, or when the things get tough and they will get tough, people are going to bow out, right? And so whenever you get guys like uh, Brian Loritz, who did our MLK episode, you get guys like uh, Duran Gray, who did our multi-ethnic church episode, and Mark Demas, these guys are not operating out of a sense of, hey, we're responding to a cultural moment. No, this this is divinely Holy Spirit given saying, yo, this is this is how I need you to move. And they've responded to that and they found it embedded in the script. I think that's so important to point out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's consistent with me. I, I was at a large, um, homogenous church for 25 years and really Mm -hmm. didn't want to leave that church. Never. I I didn't ever want to be that guy who got unhappy and left the church, you know, because Mm -hmm. I couldn't work Mm -hmm. things out. Mm -hmm. Um, and literally I hooked up with a good friend, pastor Robert Knight, who I know Jared is a friend of yours as well. Mm-hmm. And literally the Holy Spirit just said, you two guys are supposed to go to this other church. And when the Holy Spirit says to do something and it matches what you see in scripture, you just obey it and That's then right. come what may from that point. That's and right. so I, 
I, I really see the way that he responded to the spirit and the word in a very similar way. And I just think it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's really cool, Raj. Uh, so one of the things that Mark talks about in his episode uh, concerning the multi-ethnic church is this concept called the uh, homogeneous unit principle. Uh, Raj, can you shed some light on that? Can you define that for us and give us some, mm-hmm. some handles to kind of walk through this uh, concept with? Mm. Yeah, so I'm not a sociologist, so I probably can't define it really well, <laughs> but I do understand that the concept is that the more comfortable we can make people, the more familiar we can make things, the more things will grow and expand and develop. Um, and actually, my first introduction to that term was in a elders boardroom at a large homogeneous church. And mm-hmm. Uh, really discussed as kind of a positive growth model mm-hmm. to use. Um, and I really didn't, hadn't heard of that for maybe a decade. That was probably a decade ago wow. until I heard Mark speaking about it. And, you know, I really, after I heard that, I tried to think biblically, scripturally, how do I, how do I wrestle with that concept? And, you know, it's interesting. What the Spirit has really put on my heart is that 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 whole concept of likeness or comfortable or homogeneous, that has its roots clear back at the Tower of Babel. Isn't yeah, that an yeah. interesting thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God said, hey, you guys all spread out. And they all said, no, we kind of like it here. Right. We yeah, kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. being together. We're really comfortable. And so yeah. as I, I rehearsed that story a little bit, I I see some, you know, whether it's a big white church or a big Korean church or a big uh, Asian church, even a black, whatever it is, the more we grow things in size, the more we're all comfortable together, it gets harder to leave that. It gets harder to go away from that. Here's the interesting thing, though, uh, and this is where Mark, I think, really nailed it when he left. You know, he said he left the golden boy setting. Um when you get to the New Testament, you really have a couple of key passages. One is the Great Commission, and the first word is go. Mm-hmm. And then the other is the Great Commandment, which is super interesting because when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, um, he tells the Good Samaritan story, which we all know, but that story ends with the word go. Yeah, that's and right. so you have the the major teachings in the New Testament say we should be going. And mm. yet the homogenous, um, homogeneous unit principle really says, no, let's all stay and be comfortable. And so I, mm. I think that really is kind of a contrary concept to scripture. Mm. And I think that's yeah. how Mark presented it. I thought he did a great job of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. I think, I think another thing to point out with this principle is that uh, the people who coined it. So Donald McGavern kind of coined this principle, the homogeneous unit principle, uh, in a, uh, in an overseas context, I believe in India, uh, where he found out that people actually come to faith, uh, quicker and easier when there are fewer barriers to cross, right. To kind of hear the gospel to, to essentially get to Christ. Uh, and so his, his whole mindset is like, yo, when there's um, when there are no socioeconomic barriers to cross, when there are no linguistic barriers to cross, when there are no cultural barriers to cross, when there are no ethnic barriers to cross, 
people can come to Christ easier. Uh, and, and, and that just sounds alarming even as I say it, right? Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like when you, <laughs> when you read the, when you read the scriptures, uh, and you look at Jesus's life, his whole ministry was cross-cultural. His whole ministry was to the other, right? It's, and, th- and then he reprimanded those who, who didn't live in said way, you know? And so it's, it's and there it's was so nothing bizarre. quick and easy. There was, there was nothing, nothing quick, quick and, and, was nothing easy. Quick and was, easy about it. That just it. Yeah. doesn't fit into the biblical narrative. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, but on the on the on the defense, I've 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 wrestled with this principle for for some time now, um, and I think there is some uh, there is some some good in the element of of having uh, like people come together for the sake of discipleship, right? Not for the sake of solitude, but like for, for the sake of discipleship. Like, like if, if, if it is true, if, if there's an element to, Hey, in schools, um, black and Brown students, uh, do well when they have, you know, black and Brown teachers present, right. And, and things with, with, uh, healthcare in the, in the healthcare world where in the doctor's office, uh, black and brown patients are treated better and more fairly when there are uh, uh, black doctors, right? And not saying that this should be the way it should, it should be. Like, it really shouldn't be that way. But we have this because of a fallen world and, and whatever, discrimination and race issues here uh, in America. But at the same time, there's a, there's, a, there's a benefit in being together, not for the sake of staying together, but for the sake of, of grasping and understanding and learning uh, in a way where, yes, I can grasp this information from a trusted voice, from a person who, is, uh, who looks like me and is like me, right? Like, like there's, there's, a, there's a benefit to that for the sake of going out, right? When you see, when you see Jesus with his disciples who were all Jews, <laughs> right? Um, there's an element of discipleship that's happening there, but there's a, a specific thing that he's teaching them. Go therefore and make disciples, <laughs> you know, of, of all nations. You know, he's not saying go therefore and make disciples of particular demographics, right? Set up right here and reach this people group. This is how you build my church. He says, no, discipling a group of Jews says go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded, right? There's a there's a responsibility when you come to Christ, when you know who Christ is, and you're filled with that Spirit. There's a way you operate, and it's not in homogeneity, but it's not a matter of of, of who you're necessarily uh, uh, hanging out with to get that information. It's a matter of your mode of how you live your life. You know, I. I think that may be true. I haven't thought about it as much as you have. I, I think it may be true more outside of the church than inside of the church. There's certainly a lot of biblical teaching that would, that would discourage the type of unity that is gained through hom- homogeneity, I think. Correct. I haven't Absolutely. stated that well. I, you know, it is interesting. When I moved a couple of years ago into the black church mm-hmm. in Ames— uh, my pastor now is Moses Moses Ward Senior, right. and uh, he he would describe our relationship with me as a fifty five year old white foster dad, and he as a forty year old black foster kid, mm-hmm. and so for twelve months 
that relationship was really, really hard for both of us. But then when we both humbled ourselves and said, Hey, you know what? I can learn from a 40 year old foster kid. And he said, Hey, I can learn from a 55 year old foster dad. All of a sudden something really beautiful happened that couldn't have happened in another setting. And so I feel like as long as you keep that, that like homogeneity together, you really are lowering the ceiling of where you can go in terms of your understanding, your sanctification, your, your development in the faith. I think God wants, wants us all to learn in that diverse area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, 100%. And I think we can agree on that. Tracy, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I agree um, in the sense of, man, proximity builds empathy and proximity allows us to actually learn from the other. Um, and I think we see God calling us into that when he says go, when he says to, to reach the nation. It isn't to just stay together as one, but to be unified as a body of believers from all different cultures and races uh, saying, yes, we have one God that we serve and love and that we want the world to know about. And so I agree with that, Roger. Yeah, yeah. I think that's real cool. Thanks for taking us there, Raj. And uh man, when we when we think about doing this, you talk about your your personal experience a little bit, Raj, man. And uh Mark talks about this too in his podcast, is that this this very thing takes an element of faith, <laughs> it takes an element of courage, and it takes an element of sacrifice. Right. Like you can't you can't do this here without these three elements present. And we talked a little bit about that faith element before. Right. This this faith element is that you pursue these things not because of culture, but because of the gospel. Right. And there's a a courage element there because you're you're doing what is unpopular you're doing what's not normally done and you're doing something that's normally contradictory to what, to, what, to what you personally would even normally do. There's a there's a courage built in that. And there's also a sacrificial element built in. There is inevitably a cost, right? There's a, there's a cost to that. Yeah. So can you can you speak to us, Raj, about your personal experience a little bit and, and, and shine light on, man, how does this faith, courage, sacrifice kind of dance uh, impact how you uh, where you are now? Yeah. So when he talked about that, I really could identify with that. And obviously the, when you talk about sacrifice, the passage that comes to everybody's mind is Romans 12. Um, I urge you to present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship that we all kind of connect that verse with this concept of sacrifice. But if you think about it, when someone like I'm, I'm a realtor, so when somebody's moving into town and they say, okay, now I need to find a church. You move into a new community. You have to find a church. Nobody's going around checking out different churches saying, okay, which one will allow me to sacrifice the most? Wow. We're, we're all trying to figure out which one will allow us, ask me to sacrifice the least, honestly. Oh, you know, yeah, where can good. I be the most comfortable? Where can I fit in the best? Where can I enjoy myself? That, unfortunately, we have that sort of consumer mindset that has crept into our faith and so that, that really, again, has been good for me in going, in going to a new church where I'm the minority and, um, you know, I go in as Elder Raj. That's kind of what they called me because I'd, I'd been an elder in a church, you know, before, but that, that didn't really have a concept in that church culture. It's mm-hmm. Reverend uh, Thompson or Head Pastor uh, 
Moses Ward or assistant pastor, associate pastor. And I didn't fit into that anywhere. And, you know, is that a sacrifice? It's not really a sacrifice, but it's not very comfortable. And you try to figure out where you fit in. And so I think that's what Mark was referring to when he's talking about it. It just requires faith that that I'm going to go in there because God said to, and we're going to figure this out. God's going to make it all work out. It requires courage because immediately you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Immediately you're saying, oh man, this was a bad decision or man, this can't be what God wants. And then it requires sacrifice to just stay in that stay in that game and say, I believe the promises. That was one of the things that Mark talked about. He said, there's all kinds of promises in scripture and maybe I don't feel that today, but I'm going to believe it to be true because God has asked me to do this. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That's good. There's, there's, and Raj, you can maybe speak into this too. Like there's a, there's an element of needing to embrace dependence (laughs) in, in some sense when you're walking in these spaces right there's uh we we obviously walk into spaces and situations and different communities uh with our own preconceived notions or whatever or, or with our own desires about the way things should go uh and you've been man you've been at friendship for the last two and a half three years two years two years two years yeah two years and man maybe maybe you can talk a little bit about about walking that distance and kind of the transformation that's that's even happened in your own life and in your mind and with your family, and and man, like how how God has actually broken down some of those barriers and has actually allowed you to step into this place of uh, interdependence. I'll say, yeah. So um, certainly, one of the unique pieces is that we do things as families, and yet the Holy Spirit may be leading each of us differently at any given time. So Mm -hmm. for the spirit to lead me to say to my wife, Lisa, Hey, we're going to go to this church now. Uh, Are you good with that? Do you have any reservation with that? We work through that as spouses, but ultimately the Holy spirit had told me this is what we needed to do. And it was confirmed with pastor. So, so we just did it. And my wife is beautiful and said that, okay, if that's what God says, we're going, but Think of the courage that it takes on her part to believe not only that the Holy Spirit wants us to do that, but that I heard that correctly. And so now she's following me into that into that world, and she's uncomfortable, but she didn't really choose to, to be uncomfortable. She's just doing that on my choice. So we're trying to work through all that. Um, it's It's been... It's been really, really good. I'll tell you honestly, and maybe this was the whole point of it. One of my sin struggles is arrogance. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try to confess that as much as possible mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a it's a heinous sin. And I I, I used to pray, God, mm-hmm. make me a humble man, but don't humble me. And that didn't really work very well. And so then I changed my prayer to God, just go ahead and humble me. And He's really good at doing. He's really good at doing that. Be careful what and, you ask for, man. Yeah, and and. So there just is a, there is a humility required when you enter into that uncomfortable space where, yeah, it's, it's just different. You, you guys know what it's like to, uh, to kind of worship at the mega church with the big band that's flawless and everybody knows the songs and, um, you know, Lisa and I are two years at friendship. We still really don't know the songs very well. I mean, the songs are just kind of don't recognize stuff where it seems like everybody yeah. around us knows it. 
And the thing is to get up and clap. And well, that's kind of different. We've never really done that. We're 55 years old. And so just the humility that you mentioned, to, that I, I just think humility is the key to all of this that, that you're talking about on your podcast. At some point, everybody has to say, I don't understand it. I don't know. I'm going to trust what God says. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to humble myself and try to be obedient. It's yeah, just yeah. really hard for us Americans to do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. I've heard it. I've heard it said before that those leaders who are able to do exactly what you just said right there, like those leaders are going to be the future of the church in America, right? Uh, with the growing demographics, the growing diversity, with the um, with the necessary, you know, deconstruction or decolonization, whatever you want to call it, of what we know. Like the the leaders in the church are going to be those who are going to say. I don't know, Lord, <laughs> lead me, <laughs> you know, as a, yeah. as opposed to the ones who who have the blueprint for, uh, for everything. And so, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful encouragement, I think. You know, I was, uh, yeah, one thing I maybe didn't agree completely with Mark on, and maybe just that he knows way more than I do, but he, he was fairly prophetic in making a statement about the future mm-hmm. of, of the non- multi-ethnic church yeah. and its demise. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that. And the reason I, the reason I say that is because there's something deeply spiritual going on in all this. And mm-hmm. so you have this battle where God is, God has promised that he's going to grow his church and, and nothing's going to tear it down and it's going to stand. Right. And that's been, that's, right. that's been true now for 2000 years. But yet we all know that there are times in the, in, in, in the history of God's relationship with man that sometimes the church is not very recognizable and there's just a remnant that kind of keep the faith going. So I, I mean, I, maybe Mark's right, but I, I tend to think 10 years from now, there's going to be plenty of five to 10,000 member homogeneous churches and yeah. Probably there's going to be a remnant in there that is faithful, but probably hmm. there's going to be a lot of people that have mi- are missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I mean, I mean, he I, could be right. Yeah, I, I, maybe, I think maybe they'll go he, away. Where he's going in that <laughs> in that in that thought process, you know, down down the future, like he's he's talking about a, um, you know, a faithful witness. <laughs> You know, and, yeah, and we, yeah, when you're, I, yeah. you know, yeah. and so when you're when you're talking about a faithful witness, and you're talking about where the future is going, uh, he's making a a profound and prophetic statement on, uh, you know, how are how are these churches going to be relevant, and and, and particularly like we need to be th- th- thinking about this too, uh, not just for the sake of having people come into a building and, and hear something right. in the song, but like. How do we build up the next generation? How do we how do we be a faithful witness to uh, to those who are coming after us, right? Like like there's there's an inevitable reality uh, that that those who are being raised up now in this next generation. I don't even know what letter we're on now, or if we're going to start over after Generation Z. Like I don't know how this works, Raj. Yeah. But yeah. How, how, however that works, there's a there's a generation being raised now. Uh, that isn't scared of asking the question about justice, right? That isn't scared about asking the question about uh, 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 racism in America, right? That isn't scared about asking the question about uh, diversity 
and acceptance and all this different kind of stuff. And, and, and they're, they're, they're almost in a sense attempting to put their foot down and, and saying like, yo, something's not adding up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so I, Mark, I what, what Mark is, what Mark is saying is that man, to, to, to reach those people, because even when they read the scriptures, they're, they're seeing something completely different than what's being expressed. And so to be a faithful witness to that, and then the growing uh, aspect of that in the future, man, there's going to be a certain church. There's going to be a certain leader type of leader. That's going to be able to, to reach those kind of people. Well, and maybe one of the other things that he is saying, and, uh, I, uh, may, maybe it's just that a generation is going to go away. And I, I was having a conversation yesterday with a couple of my other real estate friends who are actually older than me, believe it or not. Um, one guy's 70, one guy's 80. And, and I'm talking about, well, you lot. ain't older than that, man. No, 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 no. I'm still shy of 70. Um, I, uh, I think about a lot of racial stuff in the terms of real estate since I'm a realtor That's and right. we were That's talking right. about kind of the history and, mm-hmm. you know, all three of the, the three of us were talking we've all been realtors for over a decade. And I'm sharing with these two guys history related to racial things in the real estate world that they'd never heard of, even though we're all required to get all kinds of education, you know, on the fair housing act and stuff. And uh, at one point, one of the guys said, man, we need to let people know this. Like, how can we tell people this? And I said, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm telling, you know, he said, no, we need to let everybody know, or how's it going to change? And honestly, my response was, well, probably the best way it's going to change is we're all going to die. The three of us are going to die. And the next generation is going to be closer to the truth than we ever got. And Mm -hmm. so maybe that's what Mark is Mm -hmm. talking about too, that eventually Mm -hmm. my generation starts to die off and now there's a new generation, whatever letter you say it is, that has been educated better than what I was educated. Yeah, yeah. That's a real sober statement, sober reality. And the optimist in me wants to say, I hope it doesn't have to come to just that anyway, right? And so, yeah. uh, but, yeah. but but that's just me, man. But I, but I think what you're talking about, we'll touch on this here briefly, um, is, man, you know, talking about being a realtor, talking about thinking about these things like race and and, and, and justice uh, from a realtor perspective, I think a lot of that bleeds into what Mark is is kind of harps on in terms of this church economic reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's, so Mark, his church is a, is a really unique type of church. I like to call his church. He doesn't necessarily use this term probably, or even by definition, how I like to use it, but church, uh, Mark's church is a community church, right? We have some of these kind of more wealthy, uh, you know, suburban churches. That I like to call regional churches and then you have some other type of churches called neighborhood churches where they kind of service a, a particular neighborhood. Uh, the regional churches serve different regions. It's strategically placed in a place where uh, it can service different surrounding areas, right? It, it may be located off of a highway or, or, or something similar to that, uh, similar to how Cornerstone is, is done. And so it's like, yeah, surrounding places have people that come to this particular church. In a neighborhood church, it legitimately services a, a particular neighborhood. This could be within city limits, uh, kind of in a more, you know, urban neighborhood, or it could be in a more suburban neighborhood, but still be considered a neighborhood church, right? It serves a, a particular people. Mark's concept of church is a 
community church um, where it's not regional, where, you know, it's, it's focus is to be thinking outside of where it's at. Uh, and it's not neighborhood where it's, uh, considered to be, you know, serving a, a particular people, but it's a community church that is, uh, that is, uh, trying to reach the community in and of itself, but then also the diversity of the community. It's, it's trying to service the community. It's trying to draw in a multitude of people, right? Uh, and not only draw them in, but to be a church that's that's servant-hearted and actually gives back out to the community in terms of uh, uh, jobs, right? Not just service, not just charity, but like actually building yeah. a thing that says, "Hey, this is something that's 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 actually life-giving uh, uh, for the community, for for people in the community who normally wouldn't have an opportunity uh, like this." This church is actually focused on that. I know in a lot of cities you get a lot of conversation, and 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 even in. You know, Ames, we have this, this, you know, what's the, what's the church doing for the community? <laughs> you know, what's the church doing for this, you know, side of the community, whoever it may be. Uh, and Mark's church like that, he's trying to answer that question before that question is ever asked, <laughs> you know? And so he has this church economic model where he describes it as being a model where there's three legs to his, mm-hmm. to his church, the social leg, the spiritual leg, in the economic leg, right? And I think, man, Raj, you and I have had conversations about about like uh, uh, realty and kind of how that looks like in terms of using that as an aspect to impact the community, right? And, yeah. and even doing so from a from a from a gospel lens, from a from a, from, from a Bible driven uh, heart, you know. And so, talk a little bit about that and kind of how this yeah. this element of church economics hits you after listening to it. And and how your yeah. heart can wrap around that, and, and what you think can be can be useful for some of our listeners. Yeah. So, boy, I don't know that I have real coherent thoughts here, but I have been thinking about this concept of church economics. I almost wish that I picked up that book that I think he's written and read that because I don't understand it super well. Um, I can tell you that over the last couple of years, I have been trying to understand um, uh, racial outcomes that are that are clear because of history in the real estate industry. And so I've been educating myself about how FHA loans have really messed up uh, the minority communities and have a a proposal into the national association of realtors right now that, that we work to try to put a program together to kind of as an association overcome some of the issues that we caused as realtors, realtors, appraisers. So that's all kind of in the business world. But then in the church world, it feels a little different. And honestly, let me tell you, I don't know what you'll think about this. I, I listened to uh, you, your last um, episode was Shane Roethlisberger, who's a buddy right. of yours and a fr- friend of mine. Yep. And, yep. and I was listening to Shane and I thought it was interesting. He said as a as a white pastor at a large white megachurch, there's kind of this, this mindset, well, there's no way we can ever create multi-ethnicity because of the, the demographics of our community. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and I'm going to get to economics here in a minute, but as I heard that, I thought, you know what, that's really kind of, 
uh, Shane might get mad at me for this. So sorry, Shane. Um, (laughs) It's kind of backwards thinking, because if you think about it, there are probably 20 to 30 minority, small minority churches within 30 minutes of the big of Shane's big church. Do you know, you realize Shane could create 20 to 30 multi-ethnic churches in one week by by sending white people into those churches. We tend to think of it the opposite. We tend to say, well, we got a bunch of big churches with white people here, and there's not enough minorities to actually make us multi-ethnic, but we don't ever consider, why don't we go make that church multi-ethnic, which, by the way, is very consistent biblically with the concept of going— that is introduced in the Great Commission and going, which is introduced in the Great Commandment. I mean, it all makes really wonderful biblical sense. And the reason I say that under the the economic conversation is because most of these small minority churches are struggling economically. Yeah. And so the, the vision, and I, I say that not with full knowledge, but kind of understanding a little bit, um, just even thinking about our church, our little Friendship Baptist Church with 50 people or whatever we have, do you know what it would do if all of a sudden five white families moved into that church? Huh. Number one, we would be multi-ethnic, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. by def- definition, definitionally, all yeah. it takes is families. But then to think what that does economically to that huh. church, um, you know, it, it'd probably increase our budget by 50%, you know, it'd huh. be, and think about all of these minority churches that, that are starved for resources in whatever way. Uh, I think it fits with Mark's vision of multi-ethnicity leading to this economic leg that allows the church to do these things that are really hmm. unique. I, his concept, you know, of, of grocery store in a food desert, I mean, those are wonderful concepts. Most of the minority churches don't have the resource to do that, at least in our area here in central Iowa. That's right. Um, All of the large megachurches do have the resource to do that. But Mm -hmm. to somehow partner those together, you you have to bring – yeah, you have to create multi-ethnicity. It's – I think Mark's vision is fabulous. I don't know that much about it. I kind of want to learn about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Trace, anything to add on that? Uh, no, I'm just taking it in. Yeah. 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 Well, Raj, man, I, I appreciate that. I think, um, that was, that was a, a really good challenge, you know, and, I, and I've heard your heart on this, uh, quite a lot in the, in the last few years, you know, on, uh, kind of this creation of multi-ethnicity, right. And, and man, the, the journey that God's had you on, uh, to literally do exactly what you just said, <laughs> right. To be, uh, a family uh, that leaves the place you're at, kind of how Mark was talking about in his uh, own episode, yeah. and, and going yeah. some, and going somewhere else, right? Instead of uh, the begging and, and and calling others to come where where you are, I I, I think your model in that is uh, phenomenal, man, and and very well, sel- and very seldom traveled. <laughs> So. It isn't me, and I don't want to take any credit for it. Literally, God told me. I mean, I had to be prompted to go do it, and so I just give God glory for that. But I, man, I just want that so badly for for the church, for the big churches, for the small yep. churches, yep. for all of us together. There's something beautiful when we start to relinquish 
what we think we have to have yeah. and whether it's economics or comfort or relationship or whatever it is. Yeah. And then uh, say, okay, God, where can I go? That to me, that's the critical word go. Yeah, where yeah, can yeah. I go? And everything can start to change spiritually. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. I love, I love mm. that heart, man. Your heart is, 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 is where can I go? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The heart that God's given me is, is, is more so where can I create, <laughs> you know? Mm. And so that's, mm. uh, man, I, I, I love this conversation with you, man. And I love what you're doing and you are inspiring me. Um, so, so keep on, man. I want to encourage you. I'll keep praying that prayer with you too, man. So mm. this is awesome. So anyway, man, this has been great, Raj, man. Thank you for your time. Uh, 40 minutes, once again, has come and gone. This always happens to us. It pops up, man. But these conversations, I think, can go on forever and ever. Uh, But this is why we're doing this, man. This is such an important topic to me. Uh, Roger, you have been great. Tracy, you've been great. Thank you so much uh, for your time, Raj. Yeah, thank you, guys. Love you guys. So look, thank you for tuning in to the Ambassador Podcast. Uh, Man, we hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com where we will have uh, where we'll be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. Uh, We mentioned at the beginning, if you want to be a part of this, you can send in questions to us. Here's how to do that. Listen to the latest interview Go to our website once again at www.weareambassador.com. Click on that Contact Us tab and write us a question. Uh, You can get in on some of these conversations. You can help steer what we talk about. All right. Uh, We love you, listeners. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.